In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Those of you who have not collected your discipleship form, just put up your hand so that the hushers could come to you and you could uh, get that done, please. Hushers, quickly, can I have some help over here? Just put up your hands so that the hushers can bring those forms to you. Are you blessed today? Very few amens. Praise God for that. Yes, my sister. Make sure you fill up those forms and give it, give it to the ushers after the service. We are being doing a study on the book of James in the last five classes that we had. And I want to continue on that study and do chapter 2 today, verses 1 to 13, so that we could continue the book of James in this series of studies. And the title that we got for this series of study is Growing Up Rather Than Giving Up. Growing Up Rather Than Giving Up. That's the series of the studies on the entire book of James that we will be doing in future. Can we turn to the book of James, chapter 2? James, chapter 2. If, is there anybody who doesn't have a Bible? Could you put up your hand? Maybe the person on your right or the left, please. The person on your right and your left. If you could uh, share the Bible with us. Can I have one of the ushers to come forward, please? James, chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. My brothers and sisters, Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand there. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because 
judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Most gracious and loving Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you will speak to your children. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to their hearts. Father, I pray that there will be no disturbance in any form. I pray that this word will reach every heart. I pray that it will be a transformation of lives today. Lives to be rededicated. Lives to be dedicated. To be corrected. And all to the glory of Jesus alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had planned to have these 13 verses actually taught to you today. Let's pray that we'll be able to finish it in the next 40 minutes. Uh, the title that I've taken for today from James 2 verses 1 to 13 is How to Treat, how to treat People Right. How to Treat People Right. That's the title that I've given for today's message. I want us to look at what James has to say of how to treat people in a right way. One of the biggest problems we face in the present generation is people's problem. In any way, you go anywhere, it's a people's problem that you will face left, right and center. If you are to dwell about those in your household out of love, it is a glorious thing. But to dwell below with those that you do not know, it's another story. It's easy. My daughter was looking at my, the message and she said, I can't understand this. So I had to explain first to my daughter and I said, if she cannot understand it, definitely my brother-in-law also will find it difficult. So the explanation to this, being a father, when you are in your house, you can tell people what to do, and it's a glorious thing, because you get to make the commands and the demands. But the same father who comes to the church, who has 100 employees below him, who has his entire household below him, but when he comes to church, he learns to, to submit himself, because out of love. Not out of force, because out of love. Like I see my brother who was carrying the chair, and I was, I was looking at my brother and he, and as he was carrying the chair, and said, this man has more than 40, 50 employees below him. And he never gave me the opportunity to carry it, but he did it willingly. Willingly. And there are many of us who are here, you do it because you love your brethren, and because Christ has showed you as an example. James is talking about how to get along with people. And he gives us three points in this message that we are going to look. Number one, he gives us the principle. Number two, he gives us the problem. And number three, he gives us the application. And that's what we are going to see today. We are going to look at the principle, the problem, and the application. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, we don't have to, I'll just summarize that because of time. Paul is saying that Christian life is as faith working through love. If you say you have faith and you don't have love, then there's something wrong there. 
James talks in chapter 2, he is telling us the different type of faith. A living faith and a dead faith in relating to people. There are two types of faith. A living faith and a dead faith. A living faith is a faith that is active, a faith that is caring, that is a faith that is impartial. That is a living faith. But the dead faith is dead itself. It neither cares or it has no value. You cannot be saved by your dead faith. Let us look at the first point, the principle. My first point, the principle. Faith and favoritism are incompatible. Faith and favoritism is incompatible. Verse 1, let us go quickly. I would, I would encourage you to have your Bibles open because this is a teaching. And I'm not preaching, I'm going to teach you today. So you need to look at the scriptures. Go back to verse 1. The Bible says, My brothers, as believers in the, in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. Notice that James is addressing his readers as brethren. Basically what it is, he is talking to people who are saved. He is talking to people who are born again. He is talking to people who are spirit-filled. He speaks to them as a family. And he speaks to them for concern, for their concern of their spiritual growth. This afternoon, we are going to learn how to properly treat people. We need to look at some of the areas, number one, of discrimination. The first area that we will look at, number one, is appearance. Many discriminate because of appearance. Beauty is everything in the world. If a brother walks in, nobody notices. The moment a sister walks in, everybody knows. Hallelujah, I got that. Praise the Lord. It's true. Before you were married, now maybe you might look at only one or two. Before marriage, you look at every girl that walks into the thing. And you think, will that girl be my wife? And then you come to know she's married. Oh, then you go to number two. Will that girl be my wife? Beauty is everything. So that's the main problem in appearance. But the good news Bible says, never treat anybody in a different way according to their outward appearance. Be careful. The inward appearance is dangerous. You come near me, I'll scratch you. And if you come more near, I'll bite you. That's the most dangerous thing. So, how do we judge people? How do we judge them? We judge them immediately. The moment I look at them, I don't like the sister's face. I don't like that brother's face. And we make a judgment just because that person didn't smile at you. You expect the whole world to smile at you when you enter. Who does he think he is? I'm an usher and he doesn't even smile. Or who do you think he is? He's only an usher and he doesn't smile at me. Immediately we judge because of appearance. Do we judge them immediately because of their look? A person might come to your church. He might have long hair. He might have his pants below his waist. He might have, she might have a blouse way below looking point. She might have clothes that are shabby. How do you look at that person? Just because they are not dressed to your expectation. You dress the way 
And that poor sister or brother may not know Christ. Maybe not knowing Christ. You may not know what that person is going through. Just because you see that person's waist, pant waist below, you judge him. Just because you see that sister's blouse little low, immediately you call your wife and say, I can't believe that sister wears such a low blouse. Who do you think you are to judge? Your brother or your sister. They may not be knowing Christ as yet. Give them time to know Christ. And once you know that they, are, they know Christ, they will behave like you then. And maybe better than us. The second thing is ancestry. My second point. The reason I put up these small cartoons, you know why? I want to cater to the children. That gives them something to watch. And that they will enjoy. Ancestry. We judge people according to, number one, according to their race. He is not in the same type like me. Number two, nationality. Oh, he is not Indian. He is Nigerian. Oh, he is not Nigerian. He is Sri Lankan. Oh, he is not Sri Lankan. He is any other in. We judge people. We judge people because of their culture. Very much. Even in Indians. If you are in the north, I join you. If you are in the south, no. If you are more deep south, more trouble. Do you know that? It's there. It's in the church. It's there. It's all under the carpet. And then background. They don't have my background. And I don't know which background that is. There is some ground behind that. I heard of a story, and I think you would have heard about it, about a colored man who went to church in the southern region of the U.S. And they were full of rules and do's and don'ts in that church. That they didn't want this colored man to be in their church. So the colored man approached the pastor and he says, Pastor, I'm having a lot of problem. And the pastor said, My son, you need to pray about it. Give some time. Pray about it. The Lord will minister to you. And after three weeks, the pastor met this man. And the, man, the pastor asked the man, my son, did the Lord speak to you? He said, yes, pastor, the Lord did speak to me. He says, don't worry, don't be sad. I've been trying to get into the church for the last 20 years. They don't allow me in. So join my group. We put Christ out because we have all these traditions. Because of our color, he doesn't go, he doesn't come from my background he doesn't look the way I am. He doesn't dress the way I am. He dresses very shabbily. Keep him, keep him aside. The next point, age. Either he's too young to be in the ministry, we have to get him out. He's too young. Or he's too old to be in the ministry, he needs to retire now. Either we see too young. How can he, such a young guy, go to the pulpit? Who are you to judge him? Didn't God take Samuel and put him there? When Eli was there, and we judge somebody at the moment because he doesn't come to a high level of understanding our age. Age is a very big barrier in the church. Next is achievement. Our, social, our society rushes over people who are winners, and our society doesn't care about loser. Tell somebody you are a loser, he will never talk to you again. Tell somebody you are a winner, you made a million dollars last year, he will be your best friend tomorrow morning. He will even bring you masala doses to your office because you are a winner. Affluence is the next point. We judge people by their wealth, whether they are rich or poor. The economic status is matters to us. 
this is the area that James is now talking about. He says, there is a big difference, mainly because of this. Let's look at verse 2. Rajiv. Verse 2. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and the poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, yeah, a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judge with evil thoughts? There are two guys. There are two strangers who walk into the bread of life. I'm only giving this as an example, okay? Walks into the church and they arrive at the church at the same time. We know that they are strangers because they do not know where to sit down. They stand over there and they are wondering where to sit down. The first guy walks in fully decorated with gold. Gold ring, gold watch, everything. His suit is classic. And he walks in. Then comes the poor bum. I'm sorry I'm calling him a bum. He is poverty stricken. He's a destitute. He's shabby. His pants are below his waist. He doesn't have any deodorant on him. So his body, there is an odor in his body. His air is unkept. He looks bad. Now comes the usher. The usher has to make a decision. I got these two newcomers. What am I going to do? Do I take them and put them together in the same place in the front as is the rule of the church? The usher starts to decide. And I don't want to dis disappoint Richie Rich, because Richie Rich is coming for the first time to the church. So now the usher makes a decision. He takes Richie Rich to the front seat. He tells Mr. Richie Rich, Mr. Richie Rich, please sit down. We are blessed to have you today. And if there's anything, don't hesitate to call me. My name is Claudie. That's my name. And I show my tag. Call me. If there's anything you want, I'm there to give it to you. He tells Richie Rich. He goes, Claudie goes to the back of the church, pulls out his mobile, sends a message to his friend. Do you know who's in town? Do you know who's in church? Mr. Richie Rich is in church. Do you know something? I was the one who took him to the front seat. You know something else? I shook hands with Richie Rich. Wow! I'm not going to wash my hands today because I touched Richie Rich. Then he turns back and he sees, oh, Mr. Bum is still standing there. He rushes up to him. He says, you would like to stand in that corner? You would like to sit over here? This is a good seat. You know the Greek word, under my footstool, means to treat carelessly. To treat carelessly. Then the usher turns. He keeps Mr. Bum in that corner. In the corner, he says, He's not going to smell. He won't raise his hands. He won't disturb the next person. And then he says, Hallelujah. The usher continues to worship. Brother, you can sit down, brother. I would like the usher to, to sit down. Sit down. You might be wondering why I brought these two seats. I wanted the ushers to rest today. If ever I come and sit on the seat, it means somebody on my right is sleeping. So if you have your loved one beside you, nudge them. If you have somebody who you don't know, don't nudge them. Just share the Bible to them, okay? The same thing, if I sit here, somebody among We are going to see which side of the boat is going to tilt today. I want to keep you alive. And I thought the ushers have been working for a long time. Why we do that? We 
we all come from different background we must understand that that's the number one thing you must understand we come from different background we come from different social standing we are raised differently in our hometowns we are brought up in different type of churches the list goes on and on and on maybe somebody is here from a baptist church someone may be from the lutheran church the mathoma church not name church someone but is there welcome them receive them that way when each of us got saved we all had habits but as time went by those habits died slowly so there were attitudes in our life that we had to change slowly by slowly isn't that the moment you walked into brother of life your attitudes didn't die pastor desley never called you to the front and said buddy your attitudes are too much we need to cut it no as you hear the message come to you week after week day after day and as the holy spirit is continue to speak to you you find slowly those habits are now dying amen amen all of us still are in the process of change all of us we are not there yet but we are on our way we are still growing tell your neighbor you are still growing i still love you part of growing up is to treat people right treat people the way you would like to be treated if you want to eat biryani take somebody to a restaurant and feed him because you like that do the same thing in the eyes of god there is no big eyes and little use we are all the same the second point is, the second point that we are going to look at is now the problem and it is favoritism the problem within the church is favoritism we seen the principle we are looking at the problem now number one favoritism is unchristian if you want to be like jesus don't play games verse 1 says my brothers as believers in our glorious lord jesus don't show favoritism faith and favoritism are incompatible remember we are a family this word favoritism is only used four times in the bible this word favoritism and every other time it's referring to god which says god shows no favoritism can you imagine that god shows no favoritism four times it's in the scripture romans chapter 2 verse 11 you don't have to think i'll read it for you for god does not show favoritism see that god does not show favoritism who am i to show favoritism peter had to learn this lesson in a very hard way before he can go to cornelius's house he had to learn this lesson because otherwise if the holy spirit had not given him that vision he would have definitely not gone my brothers is how should we practice christianity the question is how should i practice christianity we have to look at everyone on our right and on our left the way christ would look at them did jesus show favoritism what will be your answer no that's the only way you can tell it if a visitor is a christian we should accept them because christ lives in them pay attention to this 
if a believe if a visitor is a christian we should show and accept them because we know that christ lives in them if a visitor is not a christian we should receive them because christ died for them amen either he lives in them or he has died for them so we accept them no conditions number 2 favoritism is unrealistic verses 5 to 7 listen my dear brothers and sisters has not god chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him but you have dishonored the poor is it not the rich who are exploiting you are they not the ones who are dragging you into court are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong if you look carefully when i looked at this verse for the first time i was trying i was little i was i was trying to understand what it meant he is not saying that it is good to be poor or bad to be rich you must understand that that's not what james is saying he is not saying it's good to be poor and bad to i mean good, bad to be poor and rich good to be rich he is not saying that the only the rich the poor will be saved everybody in this room when you look at yourselves you are richer than somebody else look at the people back at your home you are 100 times maybe 1000 times richer than them we have to consider that aren't you glad that god didn't check your wallet before saving you saving you aren't you glad that god didn't check your bank account before saving you if he is to check our wallet and our bank account we will never be saved aren't you glad your your salvation isn't based on your bank balance account because he owns everything and we own nothing wealth in itself does not deserve any special treatment maybe a person got it in a dishonest way so be very careful your value is not based on your valuables don't confuse your net worth with your self worth my brothers and sisters can we take 1 timothy chapter 6 verses 17 to 18 1 timothy chapter 6 verses 17 to 18 the bible says command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or not to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in god who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment verse 18 command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share it all depends on what you do with with christ and what christ has blessed you with amen god promises the kingdom to those who love him whether you are rich or poor it doesn't matter god promises his kingdom whether you are rich or you are poor my third point favoritism is unloving and we we look at verse 8 verse 8 says if you if you really keep the royal law found in the scripture james is now turning and he is looking and why does, why do you think he is calling it the royal law if you look very carefully james is now going back to the book of leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 and the bible says what love your neighbor as you love yourself 
So that's the reason James says, this is the royal law. The Bible says, if you're able to cover this one law, if you're able to live this one law, you cover all the laws put together. This one law. Verse 9. If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles just at one, is guilty of breaking all. How many laws do you need to break in order to be a lawbreaker? One. How many crimes do you have to do in order to be a criminal? Only one. How many chains, how many links do you have to break in a chain to break the chain? One link. So how many laws do you think you'll have to break to break all the laws? One law. And that one law is summarized here. If you love your neighbor as yourself. And if you break that one small law, you have break, broken all the laws put together. Verse 11. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. What is James trying to say here? When I was trying to think what illustration I can give, and I was coming up with many ideas, he really was looking at this point and he says, Brother, I will come to your house and I will make sure I love you. I will not go to bed with your wife. But, brother, if you make me angry, I will murder you. You take me to your house. I will make sure I will never sin against you by cheating on your wife. But if you make me angry... I can murder you. So if you think that you can keep one law, but break the other law, you have committed, you are a lawbreaker. That's what he's trying to say here, that he reserves the right to kill you if you irritate him, but he won't cheat in your family business. I want, let's look at verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. James is now looking back and he's thinking about his half-brother. He's thinking about what his half-brother spoke on the mount. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So he looks at that and he says that you need to show mercy towards the people. I want you to look very carefully. Both Jesus and Paul makes a statement. John chapter 5, verse 24. Let us see what Jesus says. And um, Ma Michael Ayub, take me Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and keep it ready. Let us look at John chapter 5, verses 24. Yes, brother. I tell you the truth. John 5, 24. Whoever hears my word and believes me, believes him who sent me has eternal life. He who does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. Okay, Romans 8, loud brother, 8, 1. Now, this verse actually accuses all Christian believers, I mean, 
not accusative, it gives assurance to all Christian believers that they will never be judged for their sin. But I want you to look very carefully at this verse. But our works will be judged according to Romans chapter 14, verses 10 to 13. It says, if you pass judgment, you will be judged. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 10. It says, you will be rewarded for what you do. First we see in our works will be judged. Second, our words we will be judged also. We will be judged according to our words. We will be judged according to our works. Romans, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 you and have, 22. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So we see, even though God says, I will remember your sin no more, but He says, your works, I will judge you. Your words, I will judge you. And number three, our deeds will be judged and rewarded also. Every deed of yours will be judged and rewarded. Galatians chapter 3, verses 22 to 25, it says, Remember it says, when, when, when you know that your master is there, and if you only pretend to do because his eyes are upon you, it's wrong. Even work, even when he's not around. So we will be rewarded for our deeds also. Now it is true that God remembers our sins no more. It's true. But, as found in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17. Could you read that brother? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts. I will remember no more. God says, I will remember no more your sins. But yet, look at this verse. I will judge you for your words. I will judge, judge you for your works. I will judge you for your deeds. But yet he says, I will remember your sins no more. He says, when you come to me, I will wipe away everything of whatever you did in your past. Now, to those who are in ministry, any type of ministry, you cannot tell yourself, I will sin lightly and I will work faithfully. You got it? I cannot sin lightly. My sin could be very small, but I will make sure my work into the service is very faithful. You have to be very careful. My last, I need to end up quickly. The third point is the prescription that James gives. How to treat people right. We are going to look at the last point, the prescription. Number one, how do we do that? There are three steps we will run quickly to. The first step, he says, accept everybody. Have you ever been to a church that you've seen spiritual snobs over there? I got it, you don't have anything. I know, you don't know. Many people confuse acceptance with approval. They confuse these both. You cannot accept somebody without approving their lifestyle. You have to be very careful. You accept the person, but I will not accept your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is sinful, but I will accept you. I will welcome you into my church. I will welcome, but I will not accept your lifestyle that you, that you live. We have to be very careful. Many people, because someone's lifestyle is bad, they don't accept them in the church. Romans chapter 15, verse 7. The Bible says in Romans 15, 7, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. We must understand one thing. 
The church is like an hospital, not a hotel for saints where they dress up and do fashion parade. A church is an hospital where all types of people come, get healed, get restored and go forth. We don't do fashion parade in the church. Bread of Life is a church where people are growing. We have all kinds of background in our church. It doesn't matter where you have been. It doesn't matter what you have done. You are here. Let there be a difference in your life. Because Jesus is Lord in our church. We want you to grow here. We want you to know the Lord. We want you to know the, the Word. Jesus is Lord of this church. His Word is our rock that we stand on. My second point. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody. This goes more further than acceptance. Philippians chapter 2 verse 35. Philippians chapter 2 verse 35 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. How often have you appreciated somebody? Look for something unique in their life. Tell them. Just imagine our church to be Baskin and Robbins. You know Baskin and Robbins? How many flavors are there? Anybody knows how many flavors are there? No. There are 31 flavors that they advertise. Now, if all of us were vanilla here, this will be a lousy church. If all of us were only vanilla. But thank God, we are different flavors. I told you earlier, you come near me, I scratch you. One flavor. I bite you, second flavor. Third flavor, I will love you no matter what you do. Understand? We thank God we are not one flavor, but we are different flavors. How often have you appreciated somebody in the ministry? His sister, uh, Marisa's wife, I mean, Sean's wife here. Sister, Solo, are you there? Brother Marisa, uh, Pastor Sean, is your wife around? Where is she? P please stand up for a minute, sister. Sister Ruth, where are you? Please stand up, sister Ruth. You. Jonathan's wife. Is Temple's wife here? You must be thinking, what is this guy calling all the wives up? Temple's wife is not here. I just took these three names for only one reason, because they are under uh, our brother, under the ministry of ushers. Do you know how long the sister and that sister has been in our church before she could join the ministry? Two months. In two months, the sisters made a decision to come into this church. Two days ago, my wife and myself went to visit them, and I heard her singing. I said, go join the, uh, uh, the choir. Best place. She, she and her husband said, we'll pray about it. And this morning, I found them in the ushers. Two months. Look at that sister over there, Sean's wife. She has a big bundle there. And she's joined the usher ministry. How often we appreciate these people. There are so many people who are working in the ministry. How often do you go to them? Thank you, sister. God bless you. Give them a big hand, please. How often we go to a sister or a brother and say, you're doing a good job. God bless you. May God reward you for your faithfulness. How long, how often we appreciate people for what they do. We pass all these people. And yet, if I make a statement here, you have the authority to send me an SMS and condemn me. Yet if I use something wrong, you condemn me. How often you say, come, let me pray with you. Let me join hands with you and I'll lift you up in prayer. Don't look for condemning people. Stop that. 
that is not our duty to condemn people, but to encourage people. Go around and see who's in the ministry and tell that person in the ministry, well done. If you see somebody doing something, tell that person, well done. God bless you for what you have done. And that encourages the person. And if you see somebody sitting and never, never doing any ministry, don't tell the person how long you're sitting and you're not doing anything. Don't tell them. Ask, tell them, when are you going to join our ministry? Do you know there is a need in the Asha ministry? Come, join us. Do you know there's a great need in the Friday school? Come, join us. We will appreciate what you do. Don't run to the choir for everything. They have enough. And they need more also. My third point is, encourage everybody. Encourage everybody. My brothers and sisters, don't criticize. Don't be a stumbling block to anybody. Don't criticize them. Please, I earnestly plead with you. Encourage the person, even if they are at fault. That's what the Bible says. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. See what the scripture says and let us live according to the scripture. The Bible says, Therefore, encourage, encourage. You one see another. that? The Bible doesn't say discourage. The Bible says encourage. But what we do? We discourage people. The moment someone makes a mistake, no matter what ministry you are, we immediately go tell that person, you have done wrong, do you know that? But not telling that person, you can do better. Amen? Don't be a complainer, be an encourager. Don't be a condemner. Don't criticize people, don't judge them. Encourage them, pray for them. Amen? I want to conclude quickly. We have five minutes to conclude. My brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today. Will, if somebody new comes to our church and you are the only person that, are, that they have a contact with, will that person come back to this church? Ask yourself that question. Will you make a difference in somebody's life to come back to bread of life? And if you get the answer, yes, praise be to God. Don't think high of yourself, but ask yourself, if I am to en encounter with somebody, will that person come back to church there are two types of pillars in the church. One pillar holds the church and the other is a caterpillar. Comes in and goes out. Decide which pillar you want to be. You want to be a caterpillar or a pillar to be there for the church. We don't expect you to act as a believer overnight. We don't expect you to wear the crown now. You will receive your crown. But all we do, we say, we love you just the way you are. Just the way you are. It doesn't matter what is your background. It doesn't matter if you're married once. It doesn't matter if you're married ten times. Now, don't go get married ten times now because I said that. Okay, Brother Pastor Claudie said, sorry, Brother Claudie, why am I calling myself Pastor? Brother Claudie said, married ten times, I can go get married. No, it doesn't matter. I don't mean that. You might be an homosexual. You might be a lesbian. You might be a drunkard. You might be a womanizer. You might be a thief. You might be a liar. You're welcome into your father's house. Our father's house is open for you because we love you. Because you still do not know Jesus. Come to the cross. Only at the cross there is forgiveness of sins. If you have been playing around for a long time, messing yourself up, 
come to the cross. Because only at the cross is there salvation. Only at the cross there is forgiveness. Only at the cross there is redemption. And there is saving grace. Let us quickly turn to Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 27. Galatians chapter 3. It says, For we are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We are no longer Jews or Greek or slave or free men or even men or women. We are all the same. There is no distinction in the body of Christ. We are Christians. We are one in Christ. Amen. Can you please stand up on your feet? I would like us to sing the song, Let There Be Love Shared Among Us. Let there be love in our lives. Let there be love shared among us. Let there be love in our eyes. May not your love sweep this nation. Cause the soul to arise. Give us a fresh understanding of brotherly love that is real. Let there be love shed among us. Let there be love. Amen. As we remain standing, and as we come close to the end of today's service, I just want us to think back of what God has been talking to us over the last 45 minutes. The voice you heard might have been that of Brother Claudius. The message is from the Lord. And he's only telling us one thing today. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Don't look at me. You have one minute to examine yourself. If Jesus were to come today as a poor carpenter, the way he came 2,000 years back, would you invite him to your house? Would we invite him into this church? Would we stretch out our hand and say, hold my hands, I welcome you? What was the last judgment call you made on somebody? Was it this morning when you looked at somebody and said, what kind of a guy is he? Did you look at somebody and make some judgment? Think back on ourselves. Critically look at yourself. In reality, how hypocritical are we? Jesus used the same word when he spoke to Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. If Jesus were to come in this day, right now, in person, to stand here, I know he's, he's with us, but if you could see him standing here, would he point his finger to us and say, Bread of life, you hypocrites. If that's what we are, this message is for us. 
The book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 15 says this. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. This is what God has said from time immemorial. From the past to now. God has made us all equal. Our appearance, our dress style, the gadgets we have in our hand, the watch we wake, we, we wear, the branded material that we put on ourselves is not what God is looking at. Is that what you are looking at? Just thank God today that He has spoken to us. Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord. You have given us your heart's cry, Lord Father, and we have heard it. We receive it, Lord Father. Father God, help us to know what it is, Lord, to be poor, to be rich, and not be affected by it, Lord. But to turn, to treat everyone equally, Lord Father. And to be treated by everyone equally, Lord Father. Father God, that's what you have willed for all of us. That we will truly be like you. You showed no favor or favoritism. Father God, help us to develop an attitude of faith. And not look with the eyes of man, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that this day you have spoken to us. You have told us what the problem is. But Father God, you have also given us the solution, Lord. We just need to turn to you, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that every one of us would have heard your word this day, Lord. And where we need to be corrected, we will correct ourselves, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for your concern over our lives. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for using Brother Claudie this day, Lord Father. He's your child. You have given him the word and he's brought it across to us. I pray, Lord, that you will bless him and his family, Lord Father. Continue, Lord, to pour your anointing upon him, Lord Father. Father God, we pray a very special prayer for him as he and sister travel this week, Lord Father. We pray, Lord, that your presence will be with them, Lord Father. In all that they have to accomplish in their going and in their coming, Lord, we pray, Lord, that your presence will be with them. Take them safe. Bring them back safe, Lord Father. And continue, Lord, to anoint them, Lord, that even as they go and minister to others, you will continue to use them, Lord Father. We thank you, we praise you. Father God, pray for each one of us, Lord, that even as we leave, we will go remembering what you have told us, and we will live our lives accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.